Mini episode 1327 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You'll want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1327. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And we got a treat for you. We have longtime FDH Lounge dignitary slash sportsology proprietor slash author Russ Cohen back on with us here. And as is the case, uh, sometimes when we have him on, we're talking hockey. And in this case, it's to break down the early days of the 2021 NHL season. And when we were talking about the last hockey season when he was on, we were describing, of course, that it is a season like none other and unfortunately that has trickled into the next year so this year is not exactly like the previous season but it will ha- always have the common denominator of being tainted by the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, dealing with all of the same issues and as a matter of fact actually this season has seen the pandemic at a worse point than it ever was during the previous season when they were up in the bubble in Toronto and Edmonton to finish the season. So, because uh, again, who knew what the trajectory was going to be by then? You hoped that it wouldn't be as bad. You hoped that it wouldn't worsen. But for anybody like me that's been looking at the Worldometers charts for a good nine months plus now, uh, that was where the arrows were kind of heading. And uh, and looking at it, it showed that uh, you know January, February was going to be the worst point, and Russ, being at this point now, we can only hope that this is going to be the worst point. We have the vaccine starting to get out there now, but you have uh, more contagious versions of the thing, hopefully not more virulent, but uh, at least more contagious versions of it here. So uh, that is going to affect, obviously, not just all of society and what you and I and everyone else is dealing with day to day, but certainly the NHL, which is our topic tonight. Yeah, there's no question. It it has a profound impact on everybody's lives and sports. And I I have access to um, to some scientists, not on in that field, but just in general. And you know, did learn today that with some of the vaccines that are even out there, you know, the variant isn't having a chance to grow like like it did last time. So we might be able to. Um, to squelch it in a few months if the vaccines get better than this because clearly it's not better yet where enough people are getting them but we seem to be heading there um i don't want to make this about the new york jets but now all of a sudden johnson johnson is a big player in this but yeah no. <laughs> we'll see how that all how that all works out but as far as hockey is concerned i uh, i think the the hope was they it would have been beaten by now. They'd have had fans, and now I think the the hope is maybe we'll have them by the playoffs. But they could possibly have just two seasons without fans, except in certain markets. And if that happens, it happens. But it may get better towards the end. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, previously on the show, of course, FDH Lounge signatory Chris Galloway 
had spoken weeks and weeks ago of the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and he had sort of been pointing towards that one as a one-doser here. So as you can imagine, yep. he's running around doing a victory lap these days as it's starting to get some publicity uh, <laughs> as he was ahead of the curve. But uh, in terms of uh, how this is all affecting hockey, uh, the, the, the one thing, obviously, that is uh, having to do with the entire structure of this 2021 season is with a sealed U.S.-Canadian border, uh, we're keeping the Canadian teams up north. All the teams down here uh, south of the border are split into the other three divisions. And it is a one-time-only kind of a deal where everything is just kind of round-robin within the divisions. And it's one of these things where, uh, again, you get to see a lot of matchups that uh, can be really intriguing on paper. But it's one of those things where I, I think, again, it would take the desperation of a pandemic to make you do a schedule like this because, honestly, I think you're burning out these matchups. You, you see them a whole awful lot. There's so many things that, you know, could be drawing uh, good ratings, attention, money, matchups this year that we won't see during the regular season. And because of the structure of the playoffs, we probably won't see these matchups at all. So it's, it's certainly not an ideal situation doing it this way with the four round-robin divisions. No, but... Um... It is intensifying some rivalries. It does give teams a chance to not be on the road forever. It does also give a chance for some teams to commute. And, right. you know, so like when, when the Flyers are playing the Rangers or the Devils or the Capitals, they don't really have to stay over. They just, they just go back. Right. And, and that's a positive. I think that's something where, um, it helps keep the players safer and it also helps, um, the family situation. So, you know, there's some of that going on and I think that's good. I mean, the Canadian division is just, it's great and it's the weirdest thing in the world. And the fact that it's like in its own little area, everything's happening in Canada. It's just such an oddity. I got, but you know, again, I think it's going pretty well and. I do think we're we're seeing some some great games coming out of there. So it's it's almost like in the you know it's a different it's almost like an American League National League thing where they're like the American League and the rest of you know the NHL is the National League because like you just don't get to play them, you don't get to see them. Nobody gets to play you know interdivisional not interdivisional but out of the division anymore. And so that's another thing where. Eventually, when there is crossover, um, I think it's going to be special for the viewers. I think that'll be that'll be fun. Well, and I really, really hate to use the player that I'm about to use as an example, as he is one of my favorite current MLB players. But what what I'm looking at here in hockey is we're going to see some very impressive performances here in the regular season, and we're not going to have the full context of how these players would have done against more varied competition. And the player that I'm bringing up is Shane Bieber, who I hate to say it, and again, you don't take the playoffs into consideration, but the fact that Shane Bieber was just feasting off at the central divisions in baseball this past year, you saw what happened the first time the Yankees got a look at him. So ultimately, Shane Bieber, you can't say based on one playoff game, shouldn't have been the Cy Young Award winner, but I think it's likely to say he wouldn't have been the Cy Young Award winner had he faced the better competition during the regular season he didn't have to face. 
And I wonder if we're going to see the same thing with some of these players, where it is hard to fully uh, evaluate them in the context of what their competition was in the regular season. You know, my 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 brain wants to tell you that hockey is different. It is. But it is. Know, but I don't know if I can back it up with actual data or something that. Well, you're right. It's not it's not apples to, to apples. It's not the same as being a pitcher in MLB. You are right about that. Right. Although goalies, maybe that's where we start to get a little closer, right? Maybe, yeah. I mean, that that is where you get closer. So that's that's something that we have to keep an eye on as we go along here during the year. Since you started there, let's start with the uh, Great White North and uh, the standings the way that they are uh, presently. Uh, as you and I are recording this, you have Toronto atop them all with uh, Montreal behind them, Winnipeg and Vancouver tied for third place, Edmonton, Calgary, Ottawa bringing up the rear in that order. And I have to say, as somebody who was uh, expecting uh, an awful lot from the two teams in Alberta this year. That's the first thing that jumps out at me is how disappointing it must be for a couple of the teams there in that part of the west end of the country because they have been underachieving. Yeah, I I had um, Calgary definitely making the playoffs, but they've only played six games, so yes. I'll give them a break. Yes, and I thought and I thought Markstrom has looked good for them at times. I will, you know, Edmonton. I'm I, I'm on the bubble about. Well, they're top and, heavy. Yeah, and now I'm really leaning towards they're not going to make it because their goalie and defense are just just bad. Yeah, and as good as their offense is, nothing else is working. And I was worried about that, and now we're seeing that. I, I mean, it's hard to believe a team with Drysaddle McDavid could have a negative differential <laughs> and one of the worst ones in hockey, like the second worst. Right. So you know that's. That's the part that's scary for them. Uh, you know, Ottawa's Ottawa. They're awful. And until Eugene Melnick spends money and puts real veterans with these young players, they're going to continue to be awful. It doesn't matter how many good young players you have. You still have to have some corresponding really good veterans who could help bring them along. So that's, that's the problem there. Toronto winning the division wouldn't surprise me. I do think Montreal could take them out, though, and they've played a couple less games. So get ready for winning percentage to be the big thing here because nobody's going to play the same amount of games. Nobody. That's right. Because games, yeah, games get canceled all the time. But I don't like Freddie Anderson in the playoffs. I've made, been very vocal about that for about two years now. And so I do like the fact that Montreal brought in Jake Allen because he's a great backup. And so now him taking – the brunt off of Carey Price's season, uh, Alexander Romanoff being added defensively has been great for Montreal and, and just, you know, Shea Weber looking better, just everything. Their defense is actually really good now and, and they have tough play goaltending and the offense is good enough. Uh, they, you know, they picked up Tyler Chipotle too. That was a nice pickup for them. I think they can edge him out, but look, the Leafs, the Leafs have great offense. The Leafs had okay defense, and I don't know about their playoff goaltending. So that could be a situation where they get the top seed, and you know they could be out in the rounds. Go. Well, don't yeah, want I mean, that to happen because it's bad for hockey, but it could definitely happen. Well, and that's the story with them over a period of time, right? The last several years, yeah. the offense is always one of the best in the league. The defense, you hope, is going to be good enough, and I guess you say the same about the goaltending. But it's a thing where. 
when you look at Edmonton and Calgary coming in here and the fact that they really haven't been up to the status of being front runners, a cynic could look at this division and say, well, gee, Toronto is exactly where we'd expect them to be, not having to deal with a Tampa Bay or a Boston. Right. And and even though Boston is not Boston anymore, they're still good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll talk about them later. But, yeah, not having to face either one of those teams is a big deal. Now, they may face them at the worst time if it's like, let's say, third round of the playoffs. Right. Uh, you know, they could face them. But, you know, that's that's jumping ahead. But you're right. And Winnipeg right now, I'll have to say, I mean, I thought they would not be a playoff team. They make the Dubois trade. I think they're harder to play against now, and I think that's going to be proven when Dubois gets there because they're better down the middle now. Losing line, they sure, that's that's a, a loss. But I, I do like what this did to Winnipeg, and they've already got great goaltending with Hellebuck, and I think, I think they're going to be able to edge out some games now, and, you know, Hellebuck's still got a chance to win... Uh, another Vesna, a dual Vesna, and I think he just might. Although John Gibson might have something to say about it now. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to have another career year, and he is. Right. But still, you know, Winnipeg can now be dangerous. Vancouver's got really lousy offense, and they played ten games. Yeah. Not lousy offense, lousy defense. Right. right. No, their offense is great. Right. You know, you've got Quinn Hughes. You've got. There's a lot there to to power the engine. I just don't like their defense, and and it's not because they're not mobile. They're very mobile. Uh, I know Edler has been in and out of the lineup. He's their one true, besides being still an offensive guy, guy who can block shots. Um, but, you know, I'm not in love with Brayden Holby at this point in his career. I do like that Demko, but again, he's still developing. So they there's still some potential hiccups for, um, for Vancouver here. But like I said, they, you know, Looking at them, they played the most games, and they're just hanging on by their the skin of their teeth. If they don't make it, I'm not going to be completely shocked. I would kind of agree with that assessment, uh, and I, I I think yes, it's it's a very very interesting division, a real mixed bag. And I tell you what, I don't think it's too soon to jump ahead here before we talk about the other divisions. Let's address what happens when you get to the semifinals, because uh, again. It's going to be the same standard in the playoffs for the first two rounds, where it's going right. to be divisional semifinals, divisional finals, except this year, obviously, there's no crossover between divisions. It's one through four. There are no wild cards by conference because there are no conferences. So it's a deal here where can we assume that whoever wins the North Division is just going to be coming down to play seven games in the barn of one of the other you know, three teams left here. I, I believe it's going to be by best records, you know, overall. Yeah, in terms be of best teams records, there. I think. So, basically, and, and again, and that's something where, is it entirely fair? No, it's not. But by the same token, with few to no fans, which we're still going to be on our trajectory for probably by the summer, it won't matter probably as much. But that's what we're looking at, right? They're going to play seven games in the barn of whoever, and then if they make it to the finals, same deal? Yeah, I think. Okay. I haven't even had a great chance to really look it over yet. Right. Well, and look, if we're at a point where there can be cross-border travel by then, then obviously that you know would go out the window, but I'm not sure anybody necessarily expects it uh, by that point. They talked about there being a chance that there would be crossover at some point. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, clearly there'll be, there'll be crossover. Um, 
for a conference final, no matter what. Well, and I and I know, Russ, that unlike me, you were probably rah-rahing at uh, the Keystone Pipeline getting nuked, but methinks that makes cross-border travel a little less likely when it comes to that. But uh, I don't think the Canadians are going to be so quick to open up for us, but uh, we shall see. I mean, I can't, I can't hide my, um, my <laughs> satisfaction with that. I'll, I'll agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I I knew you were loving that, but uh, well, we'll we'll see if it affects uh, the the hockey world at all or not. Uh, in in the East Division, with the aforementioned uh, Boston Bruins, they presently, as we're recording this, are in second place behind Washington. Uh, Philly is tied with Boston, so you have a couple of traditional powers up there. A couple of teams that were running strong last year. Then behind them, you have Pittsburgh, Buffalo, New Jersey the Islanders, and as of right now, I think we would have to say uh, one of the great disappointments in the league would be your Islanders uh, as we're uh, recording this. I would not expect them to have been in last place at this point. And again, not too far out of making a move here. I mean, they could be middle of the pack with a couple more wins. It's early enough, but uh, this is not the start I think any of us were anticipating. No, I, I preseason picked the Islanders to win the division, and I think what people used to term my Rangers, I think, are right where they're going to be. I mean, I grew up on the island, but you know, I right. grew up a Ranger fan at that at that point in time. But I picked the Islanders to win the division. I still think they could they could figure things out, but they are um, struggling a bit to hold leads, like the one yesterday against Washington, where I think they had a three goal lead. Washington scored four straight. Uh, I'm not surprised by the Caps. I know some people thought they were going to fall a bit this year, but they brought in Laviolette. I think the biggest surprise here is that they are doing all of this without Samsonov, without Ovechkin, without Kuznetsov, Orlov. I mean, they're winning games without the, these massive players, which really bodes well for them this season. And Vitek Vanacek, um, I, I'd seen him play for his country. I've seen him play in the AHL. I definitely liked his goaltending and thought, you know, he could play in the NHL and stick. Uh, he might be winning a job. I mean, that's how good he's been. Mm-hmm. We'll see um, what happens with that. The Bruins are the Bruins. I still thought they'd be good, and I would. I thought they would you know, be a playoff team and, and contend in this division. They do miss Chara. There's no question that Washington is very happy have Chara, and whenever they play in the playoffs, if they match up, that'll be electric. Uh, but Boston, you know, they've, they've drafted well the last few years, so the depth on defense is still there. It's just not as good as it was with Chara and Krug there, but Marshawn is looking like, again, one of the big stars in the league. Bergeron's still good. Pasternak may play tomorrow. Uh, you know, we're taping this on a Friday night, so whenever this airs, but he may already play coming back from uh, that hip injury. Mm-hmm. So hip surgery, I think, actually. And so that's, you know, they get him back and they're in second place. They're they're feeling like they're playing with house money. Uh, Craig Smith was a really good offseason pickup for them. I felt like he had just sort of toiled the last couple of years in Nashville, but he's a guy that, that can score. Uh, Philly's Philly. Philly's a good team. They have had some defensive woes with injuries lately. You know, Niskin and retiring before the season started, set him back a little bit. Gustav Spears playing, but he's not the same. Gustafin, Gustafson is really good offensively, but he'll give up at least one bad play a game, sometimes two. 
Uh, and that's why I think they're a team that is going to pick up like overtime points and such. But if it comes down to winning percentage, you'll see that that's where they're, that's probably their kryptonite. But they'll make the playoffs. I don't know if Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs. I mean, they won four straight. If you win four straight in this league, interdivisional, because everything, like every game is a four point game, right? Like it's, right. When it's, in, when it's interdivisional, uh, you win four straight, you're going to make headway in the, in the division, but I don't think they could hold it. I don't think Buffalo is good enough. I, I, I love Terrell Hall there and Allmark's definitely the goalie, but I don't think Buffalo will hold it. New Jersey's had terrible luck with COVID and PK Subban may be finished anyhow. He, I thought, let's see what happens when he comes back this year and rededicates himself, which he said he was going to do, but his, his legs just don't seem to be there skating wise and the offense doesn't seem to be there either. So that's, that's horrible. Um, they had Ty Smith, who's really a great up, up and coming star for them. And, and that helps them, but. They also haven't had Blackwood. I mean, Corey Parker, he never made it there, right? So right. that was that was a little bit of a hurting moment. But then they still have Blackwood, who now has been out for a while now with COVID, and so that's that's bad. So that hurts them. And then you know, the Islanders will we'll, we'll see them rebound. I, I'm pretty sure they're making the playoffs, and I'm pretty sure they'll they'll keep rising in the standings. But you know, right now this is a moment. I you know. I have to admit, I didn't foresee that coming. Yeah, no, there have been some very surprising things in this division thus far when you look at how these teams have played. And, uh, yeah, it it just, uh, again, towards the top of the division, it's it's never a surprise to see the likes of Washington or Boston up there, uh, Philly with the emergence that they had last year. Uh, Kind of a surprise to see all four of the Empire State teams down at the bottom of the division. But, uh, again, that will probably get shaken up a little bit over a period of time. Looking at the Central Division, uh, it's interesting because I felt like Columbus was one of the teams that benefited uh, from the schedule this year. Getting out of the Metropolitan Division I thought could work pretty well for them because I thought this division could be a little bit softer. And uh, indeed, uh, Columbus has proven me right thus far. They are ever so narrowly in first place as we record this. Dallas and Nashville just behind them. Uh, with Florida, Tampa, Chicago, and yet another tie behind them, then Carolina, then unsurprisingly my Red Wings in last place. Uh, the standard, I think, for the winged wheel this year is going to be some improvement over last year, uh, losing a whole boatload of games yet again, but hopefully in a less embarrassing fashion, and they've been up and down on that thus far this year. Uh, depth in scoring is supposed to be better this year. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, but, uh, again, they're, they're in a division where, uh, again, it might be a little bit uh, softer than what Columbus was going to be getting if they were in the Metro, but for a team like Detroit, I don't think it makes much difference because there's still enough teams in there. they still got to face Tampa Bay, and quite frankly, more yeah. times than they would have otherwise. Uh, they've got to play Dallas. They've got to play Columbus an awful lot here, so... Uh, for the likes of Detroit, uh, <laughs> a somewhat softer schedule doesn't even matter because they're the softest part of the schedule. <laughs> they, they really are. I mean, after after yesterday's loss to to Dallas, um, I understand that Tanner Boyle uh, grabbed his stick and threw it down 
to the ground and just told the whole team they all suck. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true or not. And I'm glad you laughed because I said it on another show and it went over everybody's heads. I'm glad you laughed. Oh, yeah. Well, you get a lot of bad news with this Red Wings team. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Carolina's only played four games. They're going to be in the playoffs. But they don't have good goaltending. Their goaltending still stinks, and that worries me. Uh, Chicago is another bad team. Yep. They've, you know, they've also had um, other issues. Jonathan Tage's out with this mystery illness. Uh, I wish him the best. I really hope he he can come recover from that and play this year. I don't know. I mean, it seems very up in the air. And again, it's a short season, so we may not see him this year. And then, you know, they've got injuries and they don't have any goaltending. I mean, they maybe the worst. Well, I can't say the worst goaltending because Detroit's always there. I think Jonathan Bernier is done. Um, and I will, I will say on record, Detroit's got the worst defense I've seen in the last decade, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, <laughs> but Tampa's still really good and Tampa will, um, will rise. They've only played five games. Right. Florida had that nice little, un- they're still undefeated somehow. But I do think they have a chance of being a playoff team. Nashville, I think, is the team that might fall out of it. But just right. is kind of there right now because of the way COVID and the schedule has played. I, I still don't love UC Soros and, and, and older Pekka Rene in that. Dallas, I mean, Joe Pavelski has just been on fire. Like, ever since the bubble, it's carried over. Yeah. And he's playing some of the best hockey of his career. He started off last year horrible, right up until the COVID break. And then after, he's been just a, a superstar so that's that's been a big help for them uh Hudobin's holding his own and that's interesting because I don't know if we're going to see Ben Bishop at all this year and if Hudobin can do this after the year he had last year he's really going to surprise people I don't think Columbus will stay in this position but certainly being in that position and eventually getting Patrick Laine will help um I think Tortorella hurt his team's position when he was making all those comments about Pierre-Luc Dubois. I thought that that was unnecessary. They clearly Dubois signed a deal that I knew he would eventually get traded. And he didn't, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, but as far as, you know, getting Roslovic, he's a local kid. And I do think there's more to give for him. And we'll see. He's going to have to probably play second line center. Uh, so we'll see if he can do that. And then I don't know if line day is going to resign there, but I said, a few days ago that, you know, the city really needs to roll out the red carpet for this guy and, and the team does too to kind of like woo him right. and keep him there. And I saw there was a billboard today. They actually, I don't think they were listening to me. I think they were thinking along those lines though. And, um, yeah, there's a billboard in Columbus welcoming him. And that's what you have. You know, I, I know it seems crazy, but with the, still young enough and impressionable potential uh, star player, maybe a superstar. We'll see. He's never scored 50 goals or, you know, in any season yet. But, uh, you know, it's a good thing for Columbus to do. The only wish they did that for the Columbus Clippers over time, but that's, we'll say, a rest in peace for them. And it was fun to see a game with you there. Because I, I, even though the place was a little rickety, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and they got a nice new place now, and it's the uh, the Tribes AAA ballpark, but uh, it doesn't have the character of the old place, I don't think. Yeah. You know, that place was a dump, but it had character. It but, did. Uh, you know, the uh, the Western Division here, you got uh, Vegas in first, Colorado and Minnesota behind them, St. Louis, L.A., Anaheim, Arizona, San Jose in that order. San Jose is right where we expect them to be, I think. 
but they're better than their, you know, they're better than that. Like, like yesterday, I was watching the game for a while, and, and they were holding it close with the abs, uh, close after two. And then the abs are the abs, and they just, you know, were too much for them. But uh, Dubnik played a good game. Uh, Martin Jones started off better than we all thought he would. I think Dubnik might still win the job there. I think they, they could possibly do a little bit more, but it's a buzzsaw of a division. And so somebody would have to fall for them to do that. Uh, I think the Kings, what we're seeing is, is a lot to do with uh, Jake Peterson and, and, and Jonathan Quick, the tandem. But Peterson's really coming on for them. And uh, Jeff Carter, you know, actually healthy playing really well for them. So there's a few things there like, you know, with Anaheim Gibson, without him, they they wouldn't be much. But they do still have good defensive players, but he's been all-world. He's been the best goalie in the league so far. Arizona, I don't think they're going to do anything. And uh, I know Phil Kessel has been awoken, and that's that's good for him. Uh, but I still don't think they're going to do much. St. Louis, uh, playing pretty good hockey. I was I didn't think Falk was a fighter, but apparently he, he, he had one. And... <laughs> I didn't know that that was in his game. Uh, Bennington, I think people now are realizing the battler that he is. You know, goalies have up and down seasons. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I don't think he was a flash in the pan. Like, hey, he was a guy who won the cup who's never going to be good again. Uh, no, he's showing that, you know, he's still got the stuff. I mean, you got to remember, they all have Tarasenko in the lineup. <clears throat> they lost Petrangelo. And they're still a pretty damn good team. Jaden Schwartz is doing really well again. Uh I, I think St. Louis will battle. Minnesota has been just terrific. Uh, big ups to Cam Talbot. Really big ups to Bill Guerin for sort of rebuilding this team. And John, um, they just, they've been able to do, um, really, really well. Uh, Erickson Eck has been just tremendous. He's finally, um, come into his own and I think he's got about five goals in the early going. And, and that's been big. Suter still logs huge minutes. So even though they've lost some players, some of the ones they gained were, were really good. And Kirill Kaprizov could be the Calder winner. I mean, we, I kept trying to tell people, listen, this guy's scoring 30 goals a year in the KHL. If you don't think he's going to come into the NHL and have some impact, you're crazy. And he did. And he's had some instant impact. And then Colorado is amazing. I mean, some people don't love their goalie play, but I said it today, and this might hurt you, but and I didn't use the Osgood <laughs> analogy. I used Vernon instead because I felt like Osgood was always a little better than even Vernon. Mm-hmm. And, and he won the Stanley Cup. Grubauer certainly could win it with this group. Uh, Cal McCarr, I said preseason, could win the Norris, and I, I'm sticking with that, man. I mean, he has literally won almost everything you could win, if you think about it. He, he won a gold medal in the World Juniors. He won a Hobie Baker Award. He almost won a national title. He didn't win that. They got close. He won the Calder. He could win a Norris this year. Like, right. this kid is a winner. Right. And and he's just a tremendous defenseman and just a treat to watch. But also Bowen Byron, who's now come in, uh, another tremendous draft pick from there. He was great in the World Juniors again for this year for Team Canada, and he just looks terrific. So they have the best blue line in the game. They have Nathan McKinnon. They've got a lot. Uh, and Vegas is Vegas. I think Vegas, um, we're seeing Pacioretty is definitely not done like some people thought. I think he had a hatchet recently. Uh, their defense is still 
not great, but better than it used to be. I do think adding Petrangelo was massive. And, and you saw that he's had an instant impact. Uh, you know, Leonard's their guy. Mark Andre Flory will still play, but now he's sort of been pushed to the side and, you know, He's getting a little older. It's it's going to happen. Maybe he'll have one more run in him with Seattle if he gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how that works out. Mark Stone is a, uh, a top star in the league, and you know Carlson. They have they have enough guys, and so I do think it's between Vegas and Colorado to win that division. Yeah, I I think so as well. And uh, when you look at teams near the top, I gotta say that uh, I didn't think that we'd be uh, seeing too many nights uh, here where you'd be seeing Minnesota go wheel snipe, Selly boys. But uh, not a bad start for them. Well, like I said, Kaprizov is like adding an all star. Yeah, sure. And it's not often you can do that in the off season, and also the fact that he's still a young guy and he's charismatic, and he makes them almost impossible to cover when they're in overtime. And he also can dish the puck, too. He's not just a scorer. So, you know, it's a big addition. Yeah, true that. And uh, it really has been uh, a, a, one of the more interesting divisions, I think, to watch, like you said, because of the depth, because of what's out there. Yeah, it might and be the best division. I mean, we'll it could see. Be. Yeah, that's, that's very possible. And uh, when you look at the teams that you would expect to, to be there uh, deep into the playoffs. Uh, Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis all come to mind for obvious reasons here. And uh, one would think that they're going to have three of the four playoff spots here. But uh, the fight for that other spot could be very interesting for the, for the teams among them. I kind of agree with you. I don't really see it being Arizona, San Jose, uh, get out of town. But uh, realistically, it's got to be, uh, by definition, Minnesota, L.A., Anaheim. It's got to be one of those three if it's not one of the other two. So right. uh, that, that battle could be fascinating. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, my, uh, I'm following along with you, and I flipped over to an actual league standings here. And it's really kind of fascinating because you've got Toronto, Washington, Montreal, <laughs> Vegas, Boston, top five. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... I think some people would not have agreed that that would happen. They might have thought Boston would have fallen. They might not have believed in Montreal, even though I thought Montreal made all kinds of great moves this offseason and additions. Uh, you know, I think, I think it is proving some things. I mean, I'm very bullish on Montreal to the point where I don't mind telling you, even before you ask me, that they're a massive contender here. So. Okay. Well, ultimately, uh, I'm I'm prepared to to stand by uh, all my predictions thus far, and I I did have uh, Tampa Bay over Colorado in the finals here. Uh, I will I will stand by that. Uh, there hasn't been anything that's really deterred me uh, from any of my uh, thoughts on what might happen here. But uh, for for the way you're talking about Montreal, it sounds like you're regarding them as as a threat potentially to win it all. Am I hearing you right? Oh yeah, I um I have them in Colorado in the cup. Uh, I'd probably vacillate back and forth as to who might win that cup, but I do think Montreal's capable of winning the Stanley Cup, and I did say it on another show, so I will stick with it okay. and say that they will win the cup for the first time since 1993. Wow. Which, that's a long time, man. They'll be the team to break uh, Canada's drought, the team that uh, yeah. the drought started the year after it. Well, the one thing uh, I, I think I may take back is as I look at back at my uh, predictions from Fantasy Hockey Draftology 2020, 
Uh, in the semifinals, I did have Tampa Bay over Edmonton. I think I'm prepared to say that Edmonton will not be coming out of the north. Uh, Colorado over Philadelphia seems, you know, plausible enough in the other semifinal here. So, sure. Uh, and this is one of these things here, too, where as I look at this, uh, based on when this was put together, and this is how crazy it is, I was still speculating as to what the divisions were going to be. So as I look at this here, obviously I got the Canadian division right, and I yeah. look at the rest of them, I think I got them all right, strangely enough. I'm looking at this wow. here. And, I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, well, you know what? I got Minnesota in the Central, so who did I... Okay, so Dallas. I must have. I, I flipped okay. Minnesota and Dallas. Other than that, I got them all right. And That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it, well, you, you knew somebody was going to draw the short straw in terms of like a St. Louis and a Minnesota having to go and play those West Coast games. I mean, it's not really fair to them, but what are you going to do? I mean. And, and that's where it comes down to the scheduling, and you've seen it in the NBA this year as well, of where a team will sometimes play back-to-back -back games in a market so as to cut down on the traveling. And, you know, there's, there's ways to mitigate the circumstances here, and uh, they have been put to use. And, uh, again, interesting, when you were talking about before, I just want to highlight this here in terms of winning percentage, and uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that uh, so ties will count as half a win. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know about any of that. I just think they're going to go with win. My guess is because pretty much a game a night now is getting canceled or right. postponed. You know? right. so, and I think fans could just look at it that way objectively and say, on average, that's what's going to happen. I think it will be winning percentage. And then how, you know, what your winning percentage is in your, in your comp, in your, um, division. Okay. Well, and, and this would be in, in any not other. Not mentioning the, not mention the sponsored names for these divisions because yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, it's an abomination. Um, now, in any other sport, you, aside from perhaps soccer, which does things the same way as far as points. Please don't go. ask me about soccer. My knowledge is very limited. It, my, mine too, uh, matching my interest level. But uh, <laughs> in, in terms of other sports, you could look at it and you'd be like, okay, uh, so a tie would count for half a win. But this whole deal now of like an overtime win, how do we weight that? Is that like four-fifths of a regular win? I don't know. Or, I don't know. <laughs> well, Russ, somebody's going to have to figure it out. I, I mean, know. If, if, Some if, math major, not me. Well, and here's the thing, too. If it, if it does go by winning percentage, are there going to be teams out there that are going to be saying, hey, wait, you know, we're, we're a team that uh, has done particularly well in overtime wins or, you know, we, we play kind of close to the vest trying to get those overtime wins. So if the league is going to make up rules on the fly, and that would be the very definition of making up rules on the fly. is But I do think it's possible, don't you? I don't know if everybody's going to get in 56 games. No, I don't think they are either. But it's a thing where I think in terms of any kind of formula you make up, there's going to be teams that are going to be bitching about it, and I think probably rightfully so, because there's going to be teams that get screwed based on whatever the formulation is they come up with. Teams don't bitch, Rick. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just in, uh, in in every sport that we follow here, uh, of course not. Least I mean, I did which... hear some screams out of Steve Eiserman for where his draft position was, considering he tanked. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know what's going to happen this year. Uh, there's all kinds of talk. I mean, well, 
You say you say tanked. I say playing the garbage hand that Ken Holland left behind. So you know, it's uh, six. No, but he did again. I would say strategically did make sure that all his best young players are playing elsewhere right now, overseas and otherwise. True. So that's not helping the current club, but it's helping them develop. Right. And so eventually, but again, I you know ask me where the draft is this year, Rick. Where is the draft, Russ Cohen? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> ask me what kind of draft we're going to have this year, Rick. What kind of draft are we going to have? I don't know. I mean, it could be virtual. Uh, it could be maybe they decide. You know, I even put it out there. Maybe they decide to have a couple of rounds as an 18-year-old draft and then the rest 19 for the next five. And then all of a sudden, it's a 19-year-old draft from now on because, you know, this is a strange year. And I do think... Uh, in the future, you might want to give these players a little more time to develop before you draft them. Uh, and I do think there's a chance that maybe the draft gets pushed into a few months later again, like it was this year. So, Rick, I don't know what's going to happen with the draft. Nobody knows what's happening with any of these type things this year. Uh, the NFL the outdoor draft. Game, we do know there's outdoor games in February and in Lake Tahoe. And I, I'll tell you, there's a big part of me that wants to go out there and cover those games uh don't think i'll do it but i really want to uh, i have been getting in games here in philly which is tremendous and it's it's an odd feeling with no fans and yeah. gritty gritty's dancing there and usually there's one family there a night mm -hmm. you know families of frontline workers and which is great but he's essentially playing to the frontline workers and the media and then occasionally on the camera when, when they show him. So, so that's kind of odd. And then the, you know, the, the fake crowd noise and stuff is odd, although there's not been any boos in any games and this is Philadelphia. Yeah. And so that's kind that's odd just in and of itself. So we're, you know, this is all post. Apocalyptic hockey in a way. Well, they flash up Nick Sirianni on the scoreboard. That might be enough to draw some booze, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but too soon? <laughs> well, you know, but it's just, I think it's funny because in a normal season, he would be at one of the games. Right. And they probably would flash him up on the board. And I think you are right. Yeah. He would get that response because, I mean, look, I'm a Jet fan and. I felt like, you know, the Jets did okay with their hire um, with Salah. Uh, but I do think, based on the press conference today, uh, <laughs> Sirianni's got a lot of work to do. Apparently, um, he's no better at a press conference than Doug Peterson, and fans and media here were not very impressed. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, well, I, the guy should maybe take a couple of tips uh, I tell you what, you, you know who was really, really boring at his first press conference? Kevin Stefanski. Clearly there's something uh, to be yeah, said for that. Okay. Yeah. People snoozed through it, and clearly that was a very good thing. You want a coach where you're not going to be noticing anything, because they usually notice all the wrong things, i.e. Adam Gase and everyone else. So I didn't think, I'll be honest, early on I didn't think much of Stefanski, uh, and maybe that's my, you know, deep down hatred of the Browns, even though it, I, I kind of rooted for the Browns late this year. We appreciate uh, that. Yeah, I mean, if I saw Bernie Kosar, it would probably all go away because <laughs> I probably would get annoyed again. But I did it. And I thought Stefanski, with the circumstances and hand that he was dealt, yeah. 
handled it with great ease and 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 great leadership and i i thought that was um pretty impressive but i'm going to make one last impassioned plea here okay. away from hockey All right. and i wrote about it on sportsology i don't want any part of a deshaun watson trade i'm not giving up like three firsts uh, i don't care if they're over three different years i don't care if there's two of them from this year one from next year and like sam darnold or another player like Quentin williams their only good pass rusher i don't want any part of it well, i looked up the medical history on watson he's had acl problems in both of his knees i know he's a superstar he's won nothing that would be like telling me but one thing get matt stafford because he throws for six thousand yards every year and i would say because he's won nothing well i don't want any of those guys Keep I, away from me. Let Miami get him. I, I think when you look at what has been a very top-heavy roster ever since he got there, and I say this as a guy who really hyped Deshaun Watson coming out of college, desperately wanted the Browns to get him in 2017, I, I think you're unfair when you're saying he hasn't won anything. He had one of the worst coaches in the league, a top-heavy roster. Him, J.J. Watt, and like three other guys dragged the other 40 guys as far as they ever went. The fact that they made the playoffs, notwithstanding Bill O'Brien uh, and so many just absolute donut holes on that roster. Uh, That's fair, but he I, has had some superstar players around him, right? Like Watt and well, Hopkins. Hopkins, yes. Hopkins was amazing. Absolutely. I mean, no, I'm not going to deny that for a minute, but I mean, not a whole lot else. Really not a whole lot else. It's been a very top-heavy roster. And listen, I also agree with you. I wouldn't do that because, and look, and the Dolphins. It just ruins the future. Yes. I mean, basically, it gives you like a three-year window, which the Jets have done a million times before. Yeah. And you get that three years where you feel good and you feel like you have some sort of chance. You're not going to win the Super Bowl. You're not going to win the Super Bowl with the Jets with what they have. Sure. And even though they have seventy million to spend, and then after that. You're right back to where you were, 2-14 two, two team. Right, and look, and the Dolphins are my 1-A team. I feel the same way about the Dolphins because I don't want to see them do that, give up Tua and, and the picks, because you could be looking at Harris and Smith, the wide receiver and running back from Alabama, joining Tua on that offense there. You talk about mm-hmm. triplets. I'd rather have that than have Deshaun Watson there. Plus the cap implications of bringing him in on the second contract. So, right. trust me, I feel you. I, I have the utmost fandom for Deshaun Watson, but actually moving him to a team is a more complicated story than this, which is the same as you it mentioned. It couldn't happen to a better franchise than Miami. Let him get him. Let it all burn to the ground. <laughs> I, have no, I have no love for Dan Marino or the Dolphins of the past, the future, the present. Anytime, it doesn't matter to me. Russ Cohen, I'm feeling pretty good. Both of my teams been in the wilderness a long time. One yep. has Kevin Stefanski, one has Robert, uh, or, one, or one has, you know, no, I, I, Brian Flores. Uh, Freudian slip there, as I almost mentioned, one of our favorite media guests here. Brian Flores, not Robert Flores. I, mean, I thought you were going to mention Tom yeah. Flores. Yeah, no. Like the weekend, <laughs> Tom Flores. Like the Weekend to Bernie's guy on the Miller Lite commercial, but you know, i got to give him credit. I think it's an effective commercial. I liked it. I laughed yeah. at it. I hope he makes it. I mean, he deserves it. He, Me the, too. The guy, the guy is a Hall of Famer. And I hate the Raiders. I hate them. I do too. But, but you know what? He was a good coach. You can't really hate was. Tom Flores. I agree with you. Likeable guy. Two Super Bowls. Put him in. And you were talking about the NHL draft. The NA, the NFL draft is supposed to be in Cleveland at the end of April, and they still haven't pulled the plug on that yet. I'm going to be so pissed if it comes here as a virtual event. You know, oh, just yeah. move it back a couple of years. So the NHL is not the only entity out there that doesn't know what it's doing as far as things later on the calendar for this year. And, of course, again, 
So much of it is going to have to do with the state of the pandemic, how things go, yeah. and we will be monitoring that as we go along. But uh, always a pleasure, Russ Cohen. Thanks for being on to break down the 2021 NHL season in its early days. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Rick. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1327.